I've been working out for about nine months, uh, but I've I've seen my you know my progress was was pretty quick. You know, I lost that quick. I hit my goals pretty fast, and part of that was uh, tracking my macros and figuring out how much protein I needed to have, how much carbs I needed to have, and also fat. Um, at first, I thought fat was my enemy, but throughout my journey, I've learned that you also need fat to to build muscle. Welcome to the Health Call Podcast, where everyday people connect with doctors and various experts, breaking down important health conversations into just plain English. I'm Dr. Eugene Kim, Chief Medical Officer for Roof78, and today I'm joined by Terrell Chalmers, our head of social media and fitness enthusiast. Today we want to discuss macros, break down what it is and how it impacts your health in everyday life. Welcome, Terrell. It's great to see you. Hey, Eugene. Thanks for having me. Super excited to, to get started and talking about macros and my personal experience. Absolutely. Um, so uh, this is a topic that we've discussed before, um, and it's always interesting to see each individual's journey in terms of macronutrients. Um, so what is your experience with macros? And um, it might be important for us to just break it down uh, initially about what it means to people and what macronutrients are. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a few years ago, I had no idea what macros even were. You know, I'm like, what are macros? Is that the type of vitamin I'm supposed to be taking? <laughs> and right. This was back like before my, you know, my high school days. And, you know, I'd hear about people going to the gym and, and you know, they'd say macros this, macros that. And I had no idea what it's meant. Uh, and Eugene, you might know better than me. Like, can you tell like everyone what are macros? Like if I had to explain it to a fifth grader, how could I explain yeah. Uh, the concept yeah. of, of macros. Yeah. So macronutrients are important because it's uh, it, it's the basic breakdown of what we eat. Um, and there are three different categories, carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Um, so it's basically important to categorize that because our body processes uh, these foods for different reasons and we, we need them for different reasons. So carbohydrates are our main primary energy source. Um, they can be found in foods like grains, fruits, vegetables, they're very healthy sources. Um, and then there are also kind of bad sources, which are sugars, um, but they are our main energy source. Proteins are very important for building and repairing tissues. Um, they're involved in every single uh, reaction we have in the body. Um, you can get them from nuts. Um, you can get them from generally meats, poultry, fish, uh, eggs, beans. Um, and then the last category are fats. And fats are important for us in terms of providing energy. Um, they're also a, an essential component for all of our natural reactions that we have in our body. And you can find these things in oils, natural oils, nuts, avocados, and uh, dairy products. So I think part of my fitness journey and, and part of how I've seen uh, progress in the past nine months, because I've only I've been working out for about nine months, uh, but I've, I've seen my, you know, my progress was, was pretty quick. You know, I lost that quick. I hit my goals pretty fast. And part of that was uh, tracking my macros and figuring out how much protein I needed to have, how much carbs I needed to have, and also fat. Um, at first, I thought fat was my enemy, but throughout my journey, I've learned that you also need fat to, to build muscle. Uh, and the app that I use to track, kind of track everything, I used my fitness pal to pretty ah, much track uh, everything great. I was eating. Uh, I also used the food scale because I wanted to be precise. Yeah. Uh, I know I kind of took it, you know, an extra mile by using a food scale. Sometimes I even bring it with me to public places and, and people look at me weird, like, why does this kid have a food scale, a biscuit? Um, but 
you know, I did it for about a few months where I was, you know, tracking my food, weighing it and putting everything onto my fitness pal. Uh, but I always thought fat was a bad thing until like I, I was in the gym one day and I saw someone putting olive oil in their pre-workout or their protein, whatever was in their, their cup. And I thought, why is he putting olive oil and, you know, working out before, but you know, olive oil is a really great source of fat. Um, that being said, Eugene, can you break down like the importance of fat in a diet and, and the different types of fat uh, people can expect uh, when they're dieting? Well, first, I think it's fantastic that you are so educated and motivated because um, that's the first step in anybody's journey uh, toward better health. Um, so, but fats are critically important, and there's a bad history, especially in people in my age group when the FDA was promoting this food pyramid where you would have sugars and then fat was considered the enemy. Um, they felt that fat was the primary source of all cardiac disease, heart disease, and stroke, and they pushed that narrative for a long time. Um, I think that we've come full circle within the medicine world um, that fat is not your enemy. Indeed, what is your true enemy is sugars and simple carbohydrates um, that increase insulin and is very pro-inflammatory. Fats are necessary for us, um, and especially good fats. The evil fats that I think um, are what people try to focus on are the ones that are are in hydrogenated oils, are the vegetable oils that we use to fry things that have been highly processed and refined. These are the evil fats that can increase your rate of atherosclerotic disease, heart attack, stroke, um, increase worsening metabolic disease, make your cholesterol profile look awful, increase, I mean, decrease HDL, increasing LDL, increasing your triglycerides. So these are the fats that you need to be avoiding. So it goes back to the conversation of Understanding macronutrients is important. Being able to look at food and see what is unhealthy for you and what is healthy for you, I think is important. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I read a stat recently that the average American consumes about 7% of the daily calories they get from trans fats. Uh, which have been linked to an increase in heart, uh, yeah. which have been linked to an increase in heart disease and other health problems. Um, just out of curiosity, what are trans fats and how much is too much? So trans fats are uh, more of a modern invention. Uh, they're used to, so they, uh, what chemists did was they, they took natural vegetable oils and they made it, the trans just refers to the organic chemistry of trans versus cis, it's not very important. Uh, but trans fats, can be very nasty because they uh, they did this to they what they did was they put a hydrogen molecule on these oils and they hydrogenated it so that it could be more stable um, and so it, popular is known as like Crisco um, shortening these things shortening will shorten your life uh, these things can be very very nasty for your health the reason being is because. Uh, these trans oils, and back 2015, the FDA made a statement that these oils are very, very harmful to your health and then took them off the market. The problem is that they can still be hidden in some, many of your processed foods, which is why I always recommend, and every nutritionist will recommend, that you should always eat more natural foods versus foods that have been processed. And so trans fat is a type of fat um, and an oil that has been highly processed to be more stable, to be more convenient, but has been shown to ext extremely accelerate the rate of heart disease, stroke, um, make your cholesterol file look terrible, and also worsen metabolic disease. So these are to be absolutely avoided, trans fats. Interesting, interesting. So uh, along my journey, I've you know tried to, because what I've noticed is when I eat, 
Uh, and then I, I, if I drink alcohol, that kind of throws my macros off. Like, you know, if I have a full meal and then a few glasses of wine, those glasses of wine kind of add up uh, in, in my calorie intake. Uh, and so I read a stat that said the American, the average American consumes about 13% of their daily calories from alcohol, which kind of contributes to, to weight gain. Uh, and, and part of my own personal journey and what made me start working out in the first place was, you know, if you watched the first episode of this podcast, you'd know that I went to Puerto Rico and had too much of a good time and gained weight from all the drinking, uh, and yeah. all the eating that I was doing, uh, what would you recommend are like macro friendly alcoholic drinks for the adults that listen and they want to kind of go on vacations and still have a glass of wine or a, a beer? Like what sort of drinks would be okay uh, and, and not kind of throw off people off their, off their macro game? That's a great question. Macro friendly alcohol drinks. So oftentimes in medicine, we're a little bit too prescriptive in our recommendations. We'll say absolutely none of this and you can only eat this, but that's not real life. Real life is that we want to be able to enjoy um, a natural glass of wine every once in a while. So for me, what I do personally is that I do enjoy the occasional glass of wine. I would try to avoid, there are certain hacks that people try to do if they, they want to be able to drink straight a higher content of alcohol and therefore they think that it's less calories. I would argue that the damage that the alcohol does on your system um, outweighs that, but I think that there are a lot of benefits to like an occasional glass of wine. Uh, wine has been shown, especially the French, um, that to elongate life in certain situations, secondary to something called resveratrol. Uh, there are a lot of phytonutrients within wine and the natural fermentation process that occurs from wine. I think, you know, when it comes to, if your goal is weight gain, um, then you need to examine alcohol and how that affects your glucose levels. And in those situations, something like a continuous glucose monitor can be very, very helpful in terms of giving you immediate feedback to see what specific macronutrients, whether it be carbohydrates, proteins, or fats, affect your glucose levels uh, on an immediate basis. So you mentioned wine, and there, there are so many types of wines. Would you say one wine is healthier than the other? Like there are so many kinds. You have red, you have white, and then you have different yeah. types of reds and different types of whites. Uh, is there a specific type that you would recommend that's kind of like on the healthier side? It has been shown that red grape wines tend to have a higher percentage of resveratrol. Um, that said, we're talking about the amounts of resveratrol that's needed to uh, be able to get benefit in terms of longevity, it's very high. Um, so I, for me personally, I like red wines, uh, but I would say that you know, for sustainability, honestly, whatever wine you enjoy, because if you're going to be enjoying it for pleasure, then you should truly just enjoy. Because I think that any, when you think about any diet or anything that you're going to be adopting in your life, it's important to have balance and be able to have sustainability in that plan. And so being able to just simply enjoy the wine that you want, I think is more important. Awesome. So I will say to the people listening, I don't want uh, people to get the impression that you have to count your calories, you have to count your macros to the T. I've been doing this for like nine months and the longer I do it, the easier it's becoming. I would say that after about a month or two of, of counting your calories and, and your macros, I don't think you have to be so meticulous afterwards. I think doing it over time, it becomes habitual and you'll, you, you'll be able to start kind of eyeballing uh, yeah. your calories, your protein and your carbs. Uh, and if that's the case, like let's say if I start eyeballing my food and I stop counting my calories, 
what sort of foods are really good and like high in protein, but low in fat, would you recommend to, to everyone listening? I think that we, there, in terms of the major macronutrients for protein, it, it, it's usually from some type of animal. Um, and I think it's important to be able to examine where you're getting that animal from. Uh, the scourge of our modern daily diet is the industrialization of our food supply. When it comes to whether it's a pig, whether it's a cow, um, any type of animal, the industrialization of it and what it's being fed um, has literally been poisoning our food supply to a large degree. And there is increased incidences of cancer, increased, increased incidences of autoimmune diseases that we are not understanding. And I think the clinical suspicion for most physicians is that it's from our food supply. Yeah, honestly, anytime I travel outside of the country and even Puerto Rico, because I think their laws with food are a bit different. Uh, anytime I travel out the country anywhere, for instance, when I went to Mexico or Italy and I would have like a grilled chicken breast or, you know, a slice of steak, the meat tasted, you know, entirely different. So yeah. uh, is what you're suggesting that they're doing something to the meat here that kind of makes it taste different? Is that why I'm kind of tasting a difference or is it like the water? I don't know. Definitely, without a doubt. Yeah. I think that the tastes of Americans, for example, the fat, the meats that we have, they want a, a meat that has a lot more fat in it. So we generally, you go to a steakhouse, they're like, look at the beautiful marbling. Well, that marbling <laughs> is fat that has been infiltrated into the muscle. If you were a human being and you had fat infiltrated into your muscle, that is a sign of a very unhealthy individual. They're a sign that someone is very metabolically unfit because they are storing fat into their muscle. And in this country, we have come, our taste buds have evolved to the point where this is something that we want. You literally put some, uh, like a New Zealand grass-fed cow that has lived its wonderful life in, you know, in the pastures versus a cow that was forced into an industrial plant and forced to eat, you know, genetically modified corn and get fat within a two-month period. And if you put those meats to it side to by side, I bet most of the Americans will prefer the industrial meat because it's more this more fatty uh, and they think that there's more flavor, which is true. So our taste buds have evolved to a pre, a want that more versus the more healthy grass-fed beef that if you were to eat it, it tastes leaner, but I bet you that people would prefer the other one nowadays. So um, I think there's a lot of training that needs to occur if you want to eat healthier, that you, these sources are readily available, but that you just need to be able to train your taste buds and your thinking and your ed educate yourself in terms of what's better for you. I definitely prefer a fattier steak. I've had A5 Wagyu before and I yeah. thought it was like the best piece of steak I've ever had in my life. But then when I like plugged it into my fitness pal and saw how much fat it was, I was like, wow, it's, right. it's just pure fat in there. Um, That's incredible. So what have, you know, just being able to see your journey in terms of learning macronutrients, what have been kind of the most pivotal lessons that you've learned uh, just being able to do this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think um, supermarkets and like food, uh, you know, markets are, are starting to, I think it's a millennial thing where millennials, we want to know uh, how many calories something has. We want to know how many carbs, protein, fat, like it's becoming really big that people like, um, you know, macro friendly uh, merchandising. Uh, and I'm seeing a lot more of that in places like Whole Foods, uh, where you go down the aisle and there's protein everything. There's protein bread, protein pancakes, protein uh, coffee even. I, I, I drink super coffee myself, which has protein in it. Um, so I think it's becoming a lot easier than it was before. You know, protein coffee wasn't a thing in the 90s or the 80s. So 
um, I, I'd say it's becoming a lot easier for me to kind of, you know, be macro friendly because of like this whole industrialization. Yeah. So when it comes to calories versus macros, do you even look at your calories or is it macros is something that you focus on more? Yeah, I do. I look at my calories uh, and the, at the start of my journey, I used my fitness pal to kind of figure out how many calories I should be having to hit my goal. Currently, I, I eat about 2,500 calories a day, uh, give or take. Um, and, you know, I, I, I track it all with an app. I have an Apple Watch that's connected to my fitness pal, so I know how many calories I'm burning. So I know how many calories I can afford consuming. Uh, so I kind of have a whole cycle going. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Knowledge is power. So yeah. when I grew up at your age, the only conversation that was occurring was calories. And I was one of those evil physicians that would actually say this to my patients. It's all about calories in, calories out. You just need to be in a negative calorie balance. I literally would just make that statement. But it's amazing to see the millennial population and everyone behind me being able to educate themselves and have a greater understanding of macronutrients, meaning that you know the proportion of carbohydrates, the proportion of fats, and the proportion of proteins make a significant difference. It's not just about calories and calories out. It's about the types of foods that you're eating and how that affects your overall health. Most definitely. And I always hear people uh, emphasize the type, like you need to be having complex carbs. But, you know, yeah. I know what complex carbs kind of are, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, and also for the public, what are complex carbs and complex carbs and yeah. what's, the op what's the opposite of a complex carb? That's uh, great. So carbohydrates, I like to classify in two different categories. It's very simply just simple carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates. Simple carbohydrates simply refers to that the carbohydrate is a sugar which is a readily form of energy. And in today's day and age, the more poisonous one is high fructose corn syrup, which is universal in our food supply at this point. Complex carbohydrates are the sugars that are bound into things like fiber. So we think about um, fruits. And these are much more healthier than for you because they are bound to the fiber so that when you eat them and they're going through your digestive system, there isn't such a high spike in your glucose and high spike in your insulin levels, which can be very pro-inflammatory and contribute to other diseases later on. So in terms of carbohydrates, you there's the simple ones, which are refined sugars, which have been industrialized. Complex carbohydrates tends to be the ones that have been grown in nature. Got it. So I have a few... Um kind of like popular themes in, in the fitness industry that I see on TikTok and when, when people are consuming carbs, different types of carbs, like white rice versus brown rice or, or potatoes versus sweet potatoes. Is there a difference between the two? So like, is it healthier to eat brown rice over white rice, yeah. for instance? So that depends on the individual. So we're talking about how your body responds to each one in regards to the glucose levels. Uh, each they one will have a higher glycemic, what I call a glycemic index, meaning that how your body responds in terms of the blood sugar spikes. This is when something like a continuous glucose monitor actually can be very, very helpful. Uh, so if you were, what I do like about sweet potatoes in general is that it's God's food. There are phytonutrients in there. There are other nutrients in there and fiber that are associated with that. That's going along with that sugar that will, that is healthy for your body. When it comes to simple white rice versus brown rice, um, the, the white rice is a refined rice versus the brown rice tends to be less refined. So back to the nat the theme that anything that is given from God and then you directly put in your mouth versus something that man takes from God and refines it and processes it and then you put it in your mouth tends to be less um, healthy for you. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, 
refined rice being, you know, kind of uh, less healthier, I suppose, if, if that's, you know, according to your goals. That said, I'm Asian. I love me white rice. <laughs> <laughs> there is some really amazing good white rice out there. So, and it goes back to the idea that whatever diet that you have or whatever journey you're taking in regards to your health, it needs to be sustainable. And you need to, I, I'm not a believer in having hard and fast rules uh, for anything because you, it, you're generally just going to go through that yo-yo effect of crashing in terms of a diet, crashing hard in terms of the other way. So to me, it's about sustainability and macros are great because it's important to be able to understand what each of these macronutrients are doing to your body and understanding that is important for your overall health so that you can make healthier decisions. Confession, I actually eat rice every day, uh, jasmine rice, only a cup or a cup and a half, depending on how much, how many carbs I've consumed prior in the day. Is consuming something every day like that, is it dangerous or does it not matter if, if I have a balanced macro, macro uh, nutrition? Great question. I think it's more important to have a balanced macro nutri uh, nutrition plan. Um, if you eat, and if eating something every day is part of that, then that's fine. Yeah. Literally, I, I remember somebody was trying to introduce the Paleolithic diet to me and they're like, no, no rice. I was like, my answer was, you know, I'm Asian. Rice is like <laughs> water to me. <laughs> like I'm going to be eating rice every day. Uh, it's just part, you know, culturally for me as a Korean, rice is included in every single meal. And so I don't think I, again, back to the idea that having a strict prescriptive diet, I think is not healthy because eventually you're going to enter, you're going to resent it. And it's better just to be, have a more inclusive diet that you understand the macronutrients and how those affect your health overall and making gradual kind of interventions in your life that will help your overall health. Interesting. So I have a lot of friends in my, in my, and also family members that are diabetic. Do they have to look at macros differently than I do considering, you know, they react to sugar that's differently? A, that's such a great question. Cause you're right. Uh, if you do have a disease such as diabetes, hypertension, or something called congestive heart failure, also, you do need to look at the macronutrients slightly differently. Um, if, for example, if you're diabetic, then sugar tends to be something that you need to try and limit. Um, if you're going to go out and have a sugar cookie, for example, um, that will affect the diabetic much more differently than I do. And so you need to be more aware of that. Uh, people with hypertension need to be a little bit more aware of sodium, even though that's not a macronutrient. Um, there are foods that you eat that definitely have a higher sodium content. So in general, also processed food always has a something that's uh, a higher sodium content because it needs to be on a shelf. Um, so I like to say when it comes to food, generally try to stick to the outside of the grocery store where things are refrigerated and things are more natural versus the inside where everything um, is on a shelf for a long period of time. The sooner that you can eat something be after, whether it's an animal, as soon as it was slayed versus or a vegetable, as soon as it was picked, the better, the sooner that you can have that, the better it is for your body and the more nutritious it is. Okay, got it. I'll be sure to, to let my friends and family know <laughs> your answer. Uh, so we just got finished with the holidays, um, Christmas and, and now New Year's. Um, and part of the holidays comes, you know, a lot of unhealthy foods, fatty foods. Um, I know on my Christmas, there was a giant roast pork 
and a bunch of rice and lasagna and mac yeah. and cheese. The list goes on. Like we had a, a loads and loads of, of food items. And, and to keep myself macro friendly, I kind of fasted throughout most of the day. So like at the end of the day, I you know I kind of picked out and, and ate as much food as I wanted to. Um, so there are people that throughout holidays are super strict and they they still want to kind of watch everything for you know throughout the holidays what would you say to them like what's like an easy way to kind of keep track of things and still enjoy the holidays exactly what you did i think you know continuing i think you going in anywhere with a plan ahead of time is what's most important um planning ahead of time you know whether it's you know you hear people They'll take Sunday and they will cook all of their meals for the week. And so they have, they know that they just need to eat that planned meal. I think going into the holidays, exactly what you did too. I did it myself. I fasted all day knowing that I want to be able to eat whatever I want at night. Some people can tolerate that. Some people can't. I would say that um, if you're not tolerating it, the trick is really just to stay hydrated and make sure that you have enough sodium. Um, there are other things that you could do to try and get through that fast. Um, the most important thing, I think, is just having a plan ahead of time. And that will help you get through those areas where you think you might have challenges. Yeah. And also another thing I do is anytime I have a cheat meal, I, I make sure that that's not my rest day of like when I work out. I like to work out if I'm going to have a large meal like that. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of how I balance things. I like never have a cheat day on a day where I don't go to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. It, whatever works for you and whatever works for each individual. Um, and that's what I think it's important being able to understand macros. If you can understand the framework, then you can take that knowledge and apply it to your own life. Um, that's when I think you know, nowadays biomonitoring is more important than ever. Being able to have all of these devices, whether it's your Apple Watch or any other device that can track your sleep, um, having a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor that can track how you respond to certain foods and understanding categories of macronutrients, whether it be a fat, uh, a carbohydrate or a protein and how your body responds to that is critically important because once you understand your how your body because each individual is different and once you can understand how your body responds to each then knowledge is power and you can take that and you can work it weave it into your own personal life because we're all distinct and each individual is different you know one thing that i think doesn't get enough credit with you know macros and fitness is like the importance of water I think, you know, I, I drink a lot of water myself and this is my gallon jug. I love it. And, I love it. You know, bef before I started drinking this much water, you know, working out and counting my calories, I, I felt like the water kind of helped. It supercharged my fitness journey. It supercharged my the energy levels I had. And also I felt like my muscle uh, growth was faster. Um, can you tell everyone a little bit about more of like the importance of water uh, on top of your macros? I think it's critical. Uh, I would lean more on the side of overhydration than underhydration, unless, of course, you have some kind of disease process like congestive heart failure. But I would, you know, there you see all these different types of habits that people have when you wake up in the morning, have a glass of water. Um, having a glass of water at the bedside can also help. So I think it's important to always be erring on the side of overhydration than dehydration. Now, your body tends to be able to be very sensitive to that. Um, but I think in terms of your overall health plan, especially if you're going to try things like ketogenic diets, if you're going to try intermittent fasting or time uh, delayed uh, time feeding, then being hydrated is extremely important in those situations.
Yeah, and I think uh, aside from water, the other important thing that every diet should have is water. Is not sorry, not water. Uh, is our fruits and vegetables. Um, yeah. And, and actually, the World Health Organization recommends that people consume at least four four hundred grams of fruit yeah. and vegetables per day. Uh, yeah. So personally, um, my main source of fruit are Asian pears. I'm a creature of habit, uh, and Asian pears are something that I kind of just have been eating consistently. Yeah. Um, what are some of the fruits and vegetables you'd recommend to someone who kind of wants to build muscle? Um, I would say fruits and vegetables, the, the vegetables that I would recommend are, uh, that would have a less glycemic index. Um, but I, I love exactly what you're saying in terms of fruits and vegetables and that it's necessary. Because sometimes you see people that are trying to biohack their way through macronutrients. They'll buy these They'll buy powders that are pea-based or they'll buy protein powders that are completely cow-based. And I think it's important when if somebody's getting into this world of macronutrients to understand that the best way that you can get any of these macronutrients are through whole vegetables and whole fruits. And it's not just about trying to look at that fruit and say there's this amount of sugar in it and this amount of fiber in it. There are so many other things within these fruits and vegetables, including phytonutrients um, and all of these other antioxidant compounds that are so helpful for you that we are just beginning to understand. Yeah, and I've also been seeing on TikTok a lot of people uh, are eating, starting to eat like the skin of their fruits. Like I, I, people are eating the skin of the kiwi or the skin of the orange, uh, which I normally don't eat because I feel like it tastes funny. But uh, are there any health benefits to kind of eating the skin of fruits that you, t you typically wouldn't eat, like the skin of a mango, for instance? Yeah, yeah. So, so for example, like grapeseed skins have a lot of benefits that has been shown. Um, you know, in terms of whether or not you eat the entire fruit, um, I don't think that our ancestors ate them that way in particular. So uh, I would try to encourage you to eat the fruit that's going to be most sustainable for you. There's a recurring theme that you could, you could tell, right? And if you yeah. don't like what you, if you don't like eating the skin and that's not something that you're going to do regularly and you're forcing yourself to do it, then that's not sustainable. And I would recommend that. Got it. Got it. So I'll try. I guess I don't have to eat the skin. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if you, if you like it, why not? Go for it. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. So we spoke about sugar. We spoke about fats and carbs. Uh, what about sodium? I know the average American consumes about 70% of their daily recommended sodium intake from processed and restaurant food. So we're, Americans are eating a lot of sodium. Um, is sodium good or bad? How much is too much? Uh, can we break yeah. down sodium a bit? So I think sodium has gotten a bad name. Uh, honestly, sodium is actually critical for you. It is one when we have those conversations about, you know, people trying to hack their way through foods and not getting all of the essential vitamins and minerals. That is another category that is critically important that a lot of times when people are breaking down macros that they don't consider. Sodium chloride salt is one of those. It is a critical uh, mineral that you need for your body uh, for all of your processes, right? So it has gotten a bad name because of its association with hypertension. There's something called the DASH diet, which recommends a lower sodium content. The idea is that you eat sodium, it attracts water, it makes the blood vessel get bigger, and so that's what's causing hypertension. Well, the etiology for hypertension and high blood pressure is much more complex than that, and it's not as nuanced as simple as high sodium. That said, 
the balance in our modern sad American diet is that sodium is way too high. They have way too much sodium that we are consuming naturally because we are eating way too much processed foods. And then the salt that you get when you go out to eat is way too high than what you is needed for us. Got it. And, and to, to anyone tracking their what that wants to track their macros and their sodium and their protein, and their carbs and kind of, uh, you know, have a balance. Uh, there are a number I know in my own experience, uh, a number of like new restaurants that are popping up and a number of pre pre uh, yeah. meal planning services that are popping yeah. up that will literally cater to your your macros even to down to how much you weigh and your height yeah. they'll prepare like custom meals for you so yeah. I, I definitely think we're going to start seeing a lot more of those pop up so i definitely think yeah. macros will be a lot easier to track down the road i think it's fantastic the flexibility that is occurring nowadays in terms of what can fit into your busy life um i think it's fantastic it's great and the more knowledgeable we are about macro intake, the more knowledgeable about the types of vitamin minerals that you need. Um, it just only makes us all healthier and it pushes the narrative forward and allows people to have more options too. So thank you for listening to our discussion on macros today. We hope that you have gained a better understanding of the importance of macronutrients in maintaining a balanced diet and optimal health. So until then, take care and stay healthy.